Welcome to the Far From Average podcast where we speak about topics and interview people who are far from average so you can take your business and take your life to the next level. I have an extremely special guest with us here today, guys, Nehemiah, who's involved in many different industries as well as the cannabis industry. We're going to be talking about NFTs, the cannabis space, and a lot of other things that you can do to build up your entrepreneurial skill base so you can be that serial entrepreneur that you want to be. So without further ado, Nehemiah, how you doing today, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yes, I really do appreciate you coming from Colombia. Yeah, all the way from Colombia. All the way from <laughs> Colombia. So this guy's international. So we're going to speak about that as well. But before we get into any of that, all the all the businesses that you do, I find very interesting and almost unorthodox. Yeah. Like when I was going through your page and figuring out what it is that you were doing. I couldn't put a finger on what it is that you did, but I knew it was something very, very interesting. So what were your first businesses like yeah. when you got started in entrepreneurship? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of funny. So I actually went to Arizona State, uh -huh. um, and that's where my like entrepreneurship journey began because uh -huh. um, I've said this on other interviews and stuff, but like I, I, in high school, I didn't graduate. Like, wow. I, yeah. And it wasn't because I was like a dumb kid. I was just like, you know, super unfocused. I was mm. I was working like I was just on a different tip than yeah, most kids. spread really thin. Not yeah. Normal. Very, very thin. And so I didn't graduate high school on time. Uh -huh. End up getting my GED. Um, and when I went to Arizona State, like I'm finally thinking like, oh, my life's on the right path now. Like, you yeah. know, because obviously if you don't graduate, I was on, I was one of two people not to graduate out of a class of like almost a thousand of so, high school or college high school okay so you know i kind of felt like the dummy in school you know yeah I, that's got to be tough yeah and i get to arizona state um and i couldn't afford it anymore i did a i did a summer semester mm -hmm. i did a fall semester and then by spring i couldn't afford it mm. so you know at, at the time i'm 19 like i'm like all right like I got to do something, yeah. you know, like, I mean, I, I worked so hard to get here. Um, I got to do something to like support myself. Yeah. I got to do something to like make something happen. Yeah. And so, you know, Arizona state with it being such a big party culture. Yeah. I, I was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Huge party. Just culture. Arizona in general. Yeah. True. True. Um, and I mentioned I was in, in the fall semester when I was still in school, I, I was in a frat. Uh -huh. And so, you know, that whole semester I was partying going crazy. So by spring when I couldn't afford it anymore, I'm like, where are the parties at? <laughs> like everything, <laughs> everything's so exclusive. Like, you know, you, you got to know this person or you're going to have a million girls with you or whatever. <laughs> so I started throwing these like open parties and like they blew up. That, that's what like was my first business. Uh -huh. um, started with like a small apartment party, blew that up. Then I went to houses, blew those up, uh -huh. um, then started um, booking venues, booking clubs, booking artists. Yeah. Um, helping other promoters in town. So that was my very first. So it was like, like a party business. Yeah. And where were you guys hosting these parties at? Uh, just different places, wherever we could. Like, I mean, like I said, we started with an apartment party that my, my buddy had like an oversized apartment. Uh-huh. And we threw it, threw it there, probably packed it with like 70 people. Obviously, that's a lot in an apartment. Yeah. Um, that, that blew up. Then my next party I threw at my house that I was renting. Um, rented other people's houses as I started getting like traction and stuff and I would just pay for the bills damages yeah. whatever 
Um, I would supply all the alcohol. It's been like a thousand bucks on alcohol. Uh-huh. Um, and just invite everybody in the school and, you know, Arizona At the age State. Of 19. Yeah, I was 19. So in that case. Or 20. Yeah, so. 19, 20 years old. In that case, one of the things that interests me is obviously not being able to afford college anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a negative thing. Like most people wouldn't deal with it in such a, in such a positive way where you took this negative thing and then you turned it into a business. Yeah. What were you thinking at that time? And what, what's your thought process as this stuff is going down? Yeah. So when everything happened, like it, it, it was, it was really, can I cuss on the, on the yeah, show? Go right ahead. It was really shitty, bro. Like, I mean, I was, I was down obviously. Cause like I said, like I finally felt like my life was on the right path. Mm. Um, so for it to get like uprooted from me at, you know, so quickly too, um, I remember my buddies, they helped me like one had a truck and they helped me like move out of my dorm. Cause the, the, um, the, what was it the like hall assistants or whatever uh-huh. they came to my dorm and they're like, Hey, we just found out that you weren't in school anymore. Um, but you're still on campus. Yeah. You got to be out of here in 10 days or you're going to be trespassing and we're going to have to send the police to send you out. So my buddies, they helped me to like, you know, move my stuff out. Luckily, I had just gotten a job um, at a fast food restaurant called Raising Cane's. I'm sure you know about it. That was actually my first job. Really? There's a Raising Cane's up the street from here. Really? That was my first job, so that's interesting. <laughs> Shout out Raising Cane's. Um, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. How was it there? Uh, I worked there for almost a year, I think. Uh-huh. Um, what were you doing with the money? Just reinvesting it just reinvesting into my parties. I ended up picking up a second job. Uh-huh. Um, and that's how I got the parties things off, off the ground. That's and how you got that off the ground. Yeah. So fast forward a couple of years. At what point do you stop doing the party business? Cause obviously you're not doing it anymore. Right. Right. So I actually did the party stuff for, for quite a bit. So uh-huh. started into 2013. That's when like my entrepreneurship journey started. Uh-huh. Um, and then I did it all 2014, all 2015, um, but it, what's crazy mm-hmm. is like, you know, yeah, I was throwing parties, but at the same time I'm educating myself. Like I'm reading rich dad, poor dad. I'm reading mm. Think and grow rich. I'm reading four hour work week. Like I'm, I'm reading all these business books, even though like my, my business was seemingly just like, you know, Partying. fun. Yeah. And, it's a fun yeah. business. But so there are logistics to it. Exactly. Like I didn't even drink at my own parties, right. you know? So I was you like, gotta be there. You're there to make money, not to party. Exactly. I, I never treated it as like, Oh, this is for me to have fun. Like yeah. it, this is my business. This is what I'm going to make money from. Mm. Um, but as I'm reading these books, like, you know, they're saying over and over, like you got to make money in your sleep. You got to find a way to make passive income. Yeah. And the thing, the hard thing about parties is like you could promote a party for one month, two months or an event, whatever. And on the day of the event, like you have to trust that people are going to show up Yeah. or you, or you don't get paid, like, yeah. but you got to book everything in advance. You got to book the venue in advance, the mm. artist, the talent, all the stuff in advance. So you're dishing out tons of money in advance. Yeah. It's a huge risk. Yeah. And then on, on party day, like you got to hope that people come through the door. Or you're not going to make your money back. Yeah. So I took a couple hits, like two or three hits back to back where I didn't make my money back. Uh-huh. And that's when I started like thinking like, okay, how can I, how can I make this further than just me? Like, how can I get other people to throw parties or something to where I can make money, just invest into it and make money. Yeah. And I'm, I don't have to be there. Exactly. And that's when I thought of my app. So I thought of a mobile app called night before. 
Uh-huh. And uh, I released it in 2015, and essentially it was like an uh, it was an anonymous Instagram for nightlife experiences. Hmm. So like, imagine Instagram where you're scrolling through through your feed, yeah, and but you you don't follow these people, like they're just people in your area. Okay, and that's how it was, and so like you could set like your radius up to 100 miles, and you could see people that had posted on the app. And, you know, it'd be, it was, it was, it turned it turned out outrageous. Like people were posting, like, I mean, chicks were posting nudes. Like, I mean, people were blackmailing each other. Like it was, it, it ended up turning out crazy, (laughs) crazier than I, I expected, but that's what kind of generated the idea was passive income. So with the whole app situation, did was it successful at all? Yeah, it was. I, I didn't make like a lot of money because I didn't really know how to monetize myself yet. This was like mm. early, early, like before I had really made like real money. Yeah. Um. So, but it did, it did have its own success. So like we end up generating like tens of thousands of downloads. Uh-huh. Um. But by the time like I had all this user base, I didn't know how to raise capital at the time. Mm. I didn't know how to like, you know, accept dollars online really. Yeah. You know, so even though I had like all these like monetization, like ideas, I didn't know how to like fully implement them. Oh, okay. So it took, it took time. Yeah. Now, usually because I want to go back to the education in the books. Uh So I have a kind of like an interesting story about how I picked up those books, like the rich dad, poor dads, those kind of financial literacy books. I, I was ditching school to go to the library to go read those kind of books. Okay, that's what's up. How did you get involved or what made you pick up that that first book? Because I know it's extremely important for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, really it was just hunger. You know what I'm saying? Like um, when everything happened and my, I was going to say like my buddies helped me move out of my dorm. I remember that first night in my apartment uh-huh. and I didn't have furniture. Like I just got kicked out of school and I just remember crying. I was just like, I never want money to come between me and my goals ever again, mm. like ever again. And that day, like I, I ended up searching like how to be successful on Google mm. and Brian Tracy popped up. I'm not oh, sure. Okay. If no, I've read all of his books. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He popped up and I started digesting him. He ended up being one of my mentors actually. And I got vi- invited onto his show later on and stuff like that. Um, but he he's the one that first like he was like the first like personal development person i found Mm -hmm. and then it just became like a domino effect found robert kiyosaki um you know neville goddard Uh um napoleon hill yeah all the different like major personal development people yeah for sure now how important has mentorship been in your journey because i know for me it's been extremely important it's been everything i i I didn't go to college okay so i've been everything that i've done self-taught through books and mentorship Mm -hmm. so how important and what advice to someone that wants to get a mentor because you said brian tracy yeah was one of your mentors yeah yeah how can somebody get a mentor like that (laughs) um i mean i got i got i'm very fortunate for the mentors i've built but mentorship has really been everything, uh-huh. you know, it saved me a lot, um, saved me a lot of headaches. Um, but I would say like a, for a person that really wants a mentor, don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be afraid to go to the conferences. Don't be afraid to go to the events. Don't be afraid to apply for certain masterminds and stuff like that, because that's how you rub the right, 
right shoulders you know like yeah. you you got to get yourself in the room first yeah because that's actually how i met mr tracy i went to a sales event mm. and it was like a three-day event and he was there and i i able to i was able to meet him and then about nine months later i was on his show on his show yeah how did that go it was great it's cool like it, it got hosted on abc cbs nbc like all the major networks yeah. um He's awesome. Uh -huh. You know, I'm, I'll probably cry when he dies. Like, he's he's helped me in a, in a ton of ways. Um, and, yeah, it was cool to have, like, that Hollywood experience. You yeah, know? I yeah. bet it really like was. Like, the, the professional makeup and all yeah, that Lights, stuff. camera, action. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> now, after or dealing with, well, not dealing with, but getting in those rooms, mm -hmm. I noticed, because you were like, oh, I got to book this podcast, book this podcast, how does how does somebody gain that kind of exposure and traction for their business? And how important has it been to the growth of the next business that we're going to speak about? Okay, so you're you're talking about like just getting yourself in the room, or so more so marketing. I see because when you're on these platforms, I'm sure mm -hmm. you're getting introduced to this person's audience, this person's audience, and eventually that starts to have a domino effect on building yours. Right. So how how do you go about networking? Now, I know how you did it when you messaged me, yeah. but just for the viewer, what should, or how should somebody approach getting on someone's show or expanding their marketing? So I would say make yourself an interesting person first, mm. you know? So I feel like if you, like when I reached out to you, I feel like if you looked at my page and I, I looked like a bum, like you probably, you probably wouldn't have answered. You right. know what I'm saying? So I would say, um, make yourself interesting first. Like, make sure you got your bios on point. Make sure you got your your image and your brand on point. Um, you know, try to build your followers. Try to build an audience of your own first. Because uh -huh. um, I, I think I would say like that's been a major thing for me. Like, especially during the down moments. Like having an audience and a community that just like fucks with you. Yeah, that's it's invaluable. Right. Absolutely. Now to segue into the business that we got going now, yeah. the startup. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the cannabis startup because this is something I'm so interested in because I know yeah. cannabis has a lot of regulations. It does. The barrier to entry is extremely high. So let's get into that. Yeah. So, man, cannabis, it, this has been, it'll be a three-year journey uh -huh. in March, so next month. Um, and uh, I, I've told the story a couple times. Like, I, I went to Columbia four years ago, uh -huh. top of 2019. And uh, when I first got there, I actually went to a trading event because I've, I've day traded for like eight years. Yeah, I kind of want to talk about that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I got into trading like right after the app. Um, but uh, I've day traded for like eight years and I went to a trading event out there within like the first two weeks of me being there. Mm -hmm. And after the event, we went, we, we all went to dinner and there was this couple that were attorneys and they were saying how Columbia is going to be one of the third largest suppliers of cannabis. Uh -huh. And so, you know, like as a cannabis like enthusiast, I, you know, I was interested in the conversation, but I didn't like, you know, I didn't jump into it right away. Mm -hmm. It took me like a good year of just like getting educated, filling out the country. Um, I did some some music business out there. So I was able to kind of fill some things out, make some connections and then. About a year after living in Columbia, I jumped into it. Jumped into it. Yeah. Now, break. So, are you going to be growing it yourself? Yeah. We, so we're we're fully licensed to grow TAC CBD. We can have labs and we can export. What are the 
the hoops you got to jump through to do this. <laughs> yeah, so like kind of list them out. Yeah, so it, it's it's just a lot of bread. Like you got to put up a lot of money. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's a little different in Colombia. You know, obviously, because, yeah, like, lower different. costs. Yeah, different country. Um, but if I had to, like, put it in perspective for Americans, here in America, if you even want a dispensary, you're going to dish out half a million to a million just to get your foot in the door. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. that's before everything else. Uh-huh. Um, if you want an actual farm, you're looking at five to ten million on average. So, Sheesh. yeah, it's just a lot of, like, a lot of bread to put up. Um, then you got like certain background checks and stuff like that. They're going to look into you, your business worthiness, all that different stuff. Um, you know, it's just a lot of, especially here in America is a lot of hoops to jump through in Colombia. Um, we have similar things, but in Colombia, things work a little differently. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like how much a pro or an estimate of how much you had to put up. So we, we bought our company flat out. Uh-huh. So we, we got a company that already had licenses. Oh, okay. um, yeah, it was just easier. Um, and we got that for a quarter million. Oh, okay. How yeah. did you raise the capital? Because I know earlier you said mm-hmm. you didn't know how to raise capital. Yeah. How did you go about doing it now? Or did you just come out of pocket? No. So I, I went out of pocket on in the beginning. Uh-huh. So, um, I, I structured the opportunity. So like I found the land, I found the team, um, I pay for the greenhouses, like all that stuff up front. And then um, after I had everything rolling, a couple months later, I started actually like raising capital. So how I went about that? Social media, mm-hmm. you know, social media just I've been building publicly uh, since day one. Yeah. So um, people have been able to follow the progress since, you know, I've been since documenting everything, everything, so that's the ups, huge. the downs. Um, but what I did is just like, I I crafted a message, just like a template kind of, um, and I went to people that on my social media that I respected, like Mm -hmm. they're, you know, they, they do whatever they do in their, their particular industry or whatever. Or I went to people that, um, I've seen them like graduate college recently and just, just announced that great job or whatever. Right. Uh Uh-huh. So I went to those people and the message basically said like, Hey, um, if you have anyone in your network that is interested in the next cannabis brand, like, can you send them away? I'm the only investor on this. I'm raising another 70 to hundred K and, um, yeah. Can you send them my way if, if anyone's interested? Yeah. And what it did is it, it gave them only three options. Either they could say, no, I don't have anyone maybe I got someone for you or maybe I'm interested. Yeah. And so that's almost indirect. Yeah. Very indirect. So I didn't want to ask them directly because I knew I'd probably just get a bunch of no's. Yeah. Like, Oh, what's this guy just coming in my DM asking for money? Yeah. Even if they knew me well, like I just, I knew that like they most likely wouldn't be. Yeah. As soon as you start speaking about money, it's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> now what is this guy trying to do? Exactly. Now, how does this tie into the NFT stuff? Because that, yeah. My last interview that I had, I kind of got a grasp on it, but I know what I know and I don't know what I do, what I don't know. Uh-huh. How does the cannabis stuff tie into the NFTs? Yeah, so it, we we had to build. Well, I had to build this this model uh-huh. pretty much from scratch. So, so this is your model. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> all right. So, I had to kind of lead with a story um, on how it all like came to you know came to fruition. So, when I started the project. 
I started like, you know, everything's running smooth. Like we've got greenhouses up, we've mm-hmm. got our team working, all that stuff is rocking and rolling. But the along the way I realized like cannabis isn't a business model. Like there's plenty of cannabis. You know, like the plant itself is not just like the product. Like we had to like spice this up somehow. And I was thinking like, all right, like maybe I'll do like sports medicine type stuff or maybe we can, you know, build a product specifically for athletes. Assign some value to it. Yeah, like exactly. That's pretty much it. Like finding our niche. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, like half of our investors are, are athletes. So I was thinking, oh, maybe that's a route we could take. But then... After a while, I started realizing, well, the real problem within cannabis is like there's not enough small business owners because like I mentioned, like there's all the bread you got to put up. You yeah, how have, can you be small? Exactly. You got to have million unless you're willing to to leave your home country like I did, move to a, a foreign land like I did, huh. like you're not going to most likely be able to afford it, Yeah, you know? So... Um, that's the real problem within cannabis. There's not enough normal people that have maybe only made a million or two million, you uh-huh. know? So I started like immediately putting that business model into into action. Like uh-huh. how can I decentralize this to where anybody can own just a single plant? Because at, at the time I had no idea what NFTs were, uh-huh. mind you. Like I, I had no idea what NFTs were. And so I just set out on that mission to like, decentralized cannabis itself so like you could come in pay a couple thousand bucks instead of two million bucks and then you own one plant and then we'll grow it for you we'll sell it for you and then you be able to benefit but the issue was trying to get past the legalities and stuff so So if they own the nft mm -hmm. they can own a particular plant so is that like owning a portion of the company Kind of, kind of. So it's, it's like a, like a rev share program. Okay. So interesting. yeah, you buy the NFT, it represents a growing spot on our farm. And on that growing spot, we're going to grow four plants for you per year. So one per quarter. Right. And essentially, um, at when we put the seed in the ground, we're going to issue a growing NFT to you. Uh huh. All right. So this growing yeah. NFT is going to be updated for the length of the growth growing process from seed until harvest. Uh-huh. Then at harvest, we're going to issue a supply chain NFT. And that supply chain NFT is going to follow you from harvest until sale. And then those two smart contracts, they're linked on the blockchain for forever. Linked so on that, the blockchain. So there's a transparent experience. I don't know what that means. And most of the viewers don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Linked on the blockchain? Yeah. So to, to put it, simply like the blockchain is like a giant notebook that we can all read uh-huh. so it it gives us an, a new level of transparency like that's why everybody's freaking out about crypto that's why everybody's freaking out about bitcoin because the blockchain it allows everyone to see the federal reserve right now you know the central reserve we don't know what they're like they haven't been audited in decades yeah right so we, what they're doing yeah we don't know what they're doing so with the blockchain, it's a transparent experience. So, like, anyone can go in and say, oh, Ver- Vernal owns this uh, this plant. Uh-huh. And you can prove that as well. And so, so is it, it, it's a list of transactions? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. That's, like, that's a, a, a very simple way to put it. It's a, it's a list of transactions. It's like a giant ledger And what else do we need to know about it? Uh, mm-hmm. And... and 
because you you created an entirely different business model. I've never. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's plenty of cannabis stores. Yeah. Even up and down this street. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of them are offering <laughs> NFT. So, what made you think of something like this? Well, I mean, like I said, it was really just trying to solve a big problem um, for myself. But then, like, you start realizing, like, it really is a problem. So, like, you just mentioned there's dispensaries up and down the street, right? Yeah, a bunch of them. Yeah, you walk into a dispensary right now, you grab some flour off the shelf. If it says 25% THC, 3% CBD, you don't know if that shit's real. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know if that shit's real at all. And what's what's crazy is, like, a lot of these dispensaries, they'll fake lab results. They'll, you know, they'll <laughs> lie. Like, there's, there's all kind of stuff that happens. And so, and then on top of that, uh-huh. even if you do see 25% THC, 3% CBD, like, the the customer isn't even educated. Like, you know what I'm saying? So what all that even means. Yeah. Like, I I mean, a lot of people think that, Oh, it has, it has 40% THC or 30% THC. I'm, I'm going to get super high. And that's not even always the case. So the thing about cannabis is like, there's so many cannabinoids. Like it's, it's a hard word to say. Cannabinoids. There we go. Uh Cannabinoids. Um, and there's dozens of them, you know, and is that strands of weed? That that, that's the the component inside of it so thc is a cannabinoid T, cbd is a cannabinoid but there's dozens more derived from the one leaf mm-hmm. okay yeah and and th- those dozens more have very similar effects as thc and cbd but the consumer isn't educated on it so your company is the goal to get consumers educated on the products that they're consuming yeah so it's for both consumers and for legal cannabis operators because cannabis operators they can see like all right if i if i grew some plants for you right Uh and you live in switzerland i swing you i send you the product well you're gonna want to know that this is actually legit without having to spend your own money to verify so in this new model, now you can go in actually mm-hmm. after you receive the plans or product, you can go in and you can check. Oh, okay, like the ver- the the lab results were verified. Um, it's it was watered at these times. This happened at this time during you know the growing cycle, uh-huh. and you can verify all that information on the blockchain. Okay, and one of the reasons, and this is just a guess, mm-hmm. one of the reasons that the companies are faking the lab results or the or what's in the actual product is to increase profits right oh yeah yeah so how it's, are you going to remain pro- profitable being more open and transparent do you think yeah so we our business model um you know we make money before we even sell a plant uh-huh. um so that's what's what's kind of cool about us since we're rev sharing with our nft holders um, so we can do millions and dollars, millions of dollars of revenue before we even sell a single plant. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the back end of it, like when, you know, when we actually talk about the plants themselves, there's a million ways to monetize cannabis. Yeah. We could sell the flour, we could extract and make an oil, we can make a, a cream for someone, yeah. edible, whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's dozens of ways that we can actually monetize the plants themselves um, and still keep a verifiable, traceable experience. Okay, so you're just making sure that everything is above the board, but you also have this secondary revenue stream that mm-hmm. not only supports but 
differentiates you from other companies. Exactly. So we're, that's like our main vertical that we're going to scale is the technology. But we also are licensed. I haven't heard anyone speak about mixing the technology that we have. Uh-huh. As some of these, you can't even use your credit card. Yeah, I know. You have to pay cash. Yeah, so to think an NFT yeah. in order to get some some weed is crazy, but you you took a massive risk. You joined a risky business, mm-hmm. and you also moved out of the country to do the business. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. So what, wild what, ride. <laughs> what's going on up here, and what are you thinking? What kind of life do you want to create to where you're taking these level of risks? Because most people cannot tolerate this much risk and change. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, like sometimes I ask myself all the time, like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know? um, like imposter syndrome tries to kick in. But I don't know. I have this like firm belief that like if I was given the idea, it's for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm meant to. I'm, I'm, if I was given a clear picture on how some, how something is supposed to be done, then it's up to me to make it happen. And I believe like, you know, the universe is going to supply everything that I need to make that happen, Yeah, you know? Um, but yeah, I've definitely had my moments of doubt. You know, I've definitely, um, had my moments where I was confused How do you because I mean, patience, patience really like that's one thing I've learned during this process of building this company is a ton of patience. Yeah. Um, because a lot of things like I look back on it, like now we're going on three years, right? I look back over these last three years and some things like it truly was just timing. Like I had to wait until this lined up or that lined up. Cause I mean, you got to think about it, like the web three space, NFTs, crypto, blockchain, all that stuff. It's so brand new. Yeah. Super new. So brand new. So at the same time, like, sure, it's the next big thing, just how social media is the ne- is the thing right now, or email was a thing 20 years ago, right? It's the next big thing, but at the same time, like, if you don't have the tools, the resources, the education to actually execute the way that I needed to, then you're not going to be able to, you know, fully do what you want to do. Yeah. So there was a lot of things that I had to like truly just like wait for the tools to be available, the education to be available, the resources. And for things to really come together. Exactly. Like putting together a puzzle. Now you use, I'm guessing you use cannabis, right? Yeah. <laughs> How, because there's, there's usually a divide. Mm-hmm. Some people think. It makes you lazy. and It makes you lazy. And other people are like it. It gives me creativity. Mm-hmm. It makes me more productive. I'm sure you're on the side of the creativity and productivity. Yeah. But what do you think it is? Do you think it's the weed that they're selling at the at the the actual dispensaries that are having a different effect on people? Mm, I actually I, I I go back back and forth about this topic all the time. Actually, I think that it really has to do with the person. You know, like even I ask myself all the time, like, all right, am I just being like just like a lazy ass, you know, just like smoking too much or whatever? Uh But I I really think it comes down to the person. Um, And I was like, I have a theory that like if you already have productive habits and if you start smoking, it's going to just make you more productive. But if you're a person that already just like chills and watches Netflix and, you know, plays video games all day and if you start smoking weed heavily, too. It's just going to make you worse. So you think it's an amplifier? Yeah, definitely an amplifier. Like, you know, for me, um, it's kind of funny. I didn't tell you this. 
Uh, but after smoking a ton in high school, uh-huh. right after high school, I quit. Like I had a bad experience with some guys and I didn't touch the stuff for seven whole years. Like not even CBD, like not a, a edible, not a, a drop, nothing, nothing. Right. Seven whole years. And so by the time I touched it again at 25, like at this point, like I've got productive habits, like I've got, you know, clients that rely on me. I've got businesses, I've got all these different things. So when I started smoking again, it just made me think about that shit more. You know, it just made me think like, okay, I need to, I need to take care of my body more. I need, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sitting here too much. I need to get up. I need to do something like Mm -hmm. I need to go on a run. Um, something to like just stay productive and keep my mind from, you know, being paranoid or whatever. Yeah. And I know a lot of people say it's not addictive or it's not. It's, it's definitely addictive. I think it's addictive. You think it's, I see. I'm addicted. (laughs) Just cannot put that stuff down. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think is that most entrepreneurs should be involved with it or that they shouldn't really deal with it? Because I know you said it's an amplifier, but how do I evaluate whether or not this is something that I should be doing? Well, I think it's a, I think it comes down to like personal preference. I really do. Like, Uh like I I can't say like, Oh, most entrepreneurs should be on this or whatever. Or shouldn't. Yeah. Or shouldn't. It's case by case. I do think so. Because like for me, I asked myself, like, why do I still use it? And for me, like, I still use it because it helps me to conquer fear. Mm. Um, And it helps me to conquer, like, my mind. So, like, when I smoke, like, my mind starts racing. I start thinking about all kinds of stuff. Um, And being able to, like, take control of that because, like, you know, it's obviously an amplifier, right? Yeah. So, like, if, if my mind is running a million miles per second, being able to slow that process down, like that's helped me to become stronger as an individual. But I know other people are the complete opposite. Like they can't do that while high. Like they have to do that while sober. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that it comes down to the individual person for sure. But it's definitely addictive. Like I I can admit that to myself. Uh-huh. It's definitely addictive. But it's like one of those addictions that if you know what you're getting out of it, I don't think it's one of those harmful addictions. Right. Yeah, so I've never I've never smoked, but I have used Oh, never edi- smoked. I've never smoked, but I have used edibles okay. in the past. And I experienced the uh it, it made me it, it made me more creative, but uh-huh. not in the not in any way that was that was positive to me. Like pushing you pushing the needle forward. Yeah, not in business. I would just think of like random crazy stuff (laughs) (laughs) like me and my video guy we used to we used to live together we had this big tv Mm -hmm. and then i take an edible and i'd be watching anime okay and i'd be like damn it really it feels like they're fighting right in front of me (laughs) (laughs) like like my imagination would run wild but i was just like i don't think this was something that was, was really helping me and all I would think about is just like jokes and yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I stopped using it after a while, but I know some people who are extremely productive on it. Like Dude. my mom, she's been using it for a long, she, she be high at work and she's a saleswoman. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Hey, if it works for you, it works for you. Dude. So I think that most people, like you said, they need to be honest about what they're really getting out of it. Yeah. Because a lot of people aren't honest about it. It's really holding them back when mm-hmm. they're trying to convince themselves. So how do you take that 
take that audit and figure that out? I feel like I still audit, to be honest. Uh-huh. Like, I'm constantly auditing myself, like, okay, like, am I going overboard with this? Like, is this slowing me down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and like I said, it, it just kind of comes down to you. Like, I mean, like you mentioned, like, some people are extremely productive. Some people are extremely lazy. Yeah. And, you know, for me, like, I'm the type, like, I'll smoke and I'll go out and run three miles. Wow. You know, like, I've... Whoa. marathons while while high and so Whoa. yeah like that's i can't even get off the couch yeah like that's <laughs> but that but when you can train your mind like that's what i like about it it's like mm-hmm. I, I like to train my mind while i'm high because like it's i don't know i just seem more focused i feel more focused i feel more determined do you feel like things stick better too no <laughs> sometimes i can I felt, remember well but sometimes no. i feel like things would stick better and i would read Okay. And I would, I would retain more information sometimes. It, it changes your perspective. So I could see that. Yeah. It changes your perspective on what you're, you're digesting. Um, so yeah, I mean in, in that regard, yes, but like just straight up like remembering shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> now day trading, that's uh-huh. a, that's an emotional thing. It is. Yeah. Were yeah. you getting high while day trading? I do. Yeah. How, how did that, how'd you deal with that? Um, cause I know a lot of anxiety with stuff like that. Yeah. It can sometimes, it could sometimes counter, um, where it makes my anxiety worse. Mm. Um, but other times like it, it's just what I need. Like, well, I'm, I'll just be smoking, just looking at a chart to and, bring you down. Yeah. Just to like, you know, level up my brain, just kind of like, all right, think clearly, think, think rationally here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's actually kind of why I got into cannabis, because like I said, I started trading eight years ago uh-huh. and um, but I I quit um, I quit cannabis at 18 until 25. So a lot of that time, you know, I had just I had gotten into trading. And yeah, I, I started, you know, I started traveling. Then I released my course when I released my course that blew up my brand. So I had all these like students trying to learn my strategy and so for day trading, mm-hmm. well, I kind of want to get into that. Oh yeah, we can. Um, but yeah, like once I had all these students, like trying to like, you know, learn my strategy, plus I'm trading, like I was like, I, I need something to like chill me out. Cause yeah. my anxiety was through the roof back then. Ooh. This was like five years ago. <laughs> so what was the strategy? You don't have to share too much. Mm-hmm. So to where we're cheating your students, but what was the strategy when you were going about day trading? Yeah, so it's kind of hard to explain without charts, but um, yeah, it was an overview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I use kind of like a, um, how can I explain this simply for your audience? I use kind of like a, um, a ranging strategy. Mm-hmm. So like the market's only made up of two things. It's either going to like correct, which is like ranging, like it's going to move sideways. Some some people call it consolidation. Or it's going to impulse in one direction, either up or down. And so, like, when I I teach all my students that, like, it's only going to do two things. It's either going to correct or it's going to impulse. So we're looking for the corrections. It's it's going to correct about 70% of the time. It's going to impulse about 30% of the time. So, like, if you can find a giant range where it's just moving up and down, Uh and let's say the range is, like, 50, 60 points, if you get in at the top, you got a, you got 50 to 60 points of drop that you can you can work with. 
if you get in at the bottom, you get 50, 60 to, to the, to the top side. So uh -huh. I taught my, I taught my students how to get in within consolidation, not, not terrible consolidation, but like ranging behavior. Consolidation. What does that mean? It means the market's just moving in a tight range sideways. So like most people, like if you think of like a crypto chart, like crypto shoots up and it shoots straight down. Yeah. But there's times where it just moves kind of sideways. It's not really moving too far. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of moving up and down. Uh -huh. That's when I teach my students to get in. To get in there because it's going to be either an impulse or what was the other one? Um, we, impulse or uh, or when we get in during correction during correction so when it's doing this is a consolidation yeah or correction or correction mm -hmm. now you don't have to answer this question but I'm just curious no answer everything how what was the most you made in a day from day trading in a day I think uh, probably like 40 something thousand 40,000 yeah um there was a time where I was I mean I know God like that's that that's take? nothing though I just, mean, just a few seen, hours. I've seen some uh, some people talk about six figures. Yeah, I, I know guys that make millions of dollars every day, like, and they're younger than me too, like, killing it. Uh huh. Um, but you know, like, it, there's a lot of money to be made in trading. It's just, it's the one thing that people gotta understand. It's about the capital you have, um, because like, especially nowadays, like, we have prop firms. Uh huh. So these prop firms, they'll fund you a hundred, two hundred, five hundred thousand. Um, but when I first got into it, like we had to hustle to get five, 10 K into our account. You know what I'm saying? How are you getting it? Just working? Yeah, just working. Um, when I released my course that helped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, my era of traders, like we just had to like hustle to get, to get capital. Yeah. Now there's, there's prop challenges and stuff where you pay 500 bucks and they'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. So prop challenges. Yeah. So they're, they're Is that like a funded account. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Break that down for. Yeah. So essentially there's investors uh -huh. that, and this is actually how I, I started making like the $40,000 day. It's because I had an investor behind me. It wasn't, okay. a, it wasn't a prop firm, but um, essentially there's these investors, but they don't know how to trade. So they'll put money up with traders uh -huh. and they just have you go through like a two phase challenge where to, you know, you show your skills. So the first phase is normally anywhere from eight to 10% on, you know, eight to 10% growth. And then the second phase is 5% growth. Mm -hmm. So like if you can prove those two phases, they'll fund you the live funds. How do you get involved in that? It's just a payment. There's, there's a, there's a bunch of different uh, prop firms out there. Prop firms mm -hmm. is what they're called. Mm -hmm. Or prop challenges. Prop challenges. And when you made the, the 40, how much was your account funded for? At the time, I had like 50, 60K in the account. 50, 60K. So yeah. it was 100 after. Yeah. One day. Yeah, like six hours of work. What are you trading? The stock or Forex? Because I know there's so many different. Yeah, so I, I trade currency. So okay. th that's Forex. Okay. Yeah, foreign exchange. I've heard a lot about it. And I think a lot of people have a, they have. There's a lot of negativity a, around a it. Negative connotation yeah. around it because anytime you post on Instagram, you got five, ten robots in your comments saying, like, make yeah. I made twenty thousand dollars in the last five minutes. Yeah. Give me to learn how. <laughs> What's the difference between that stuff and actually doing Forex? Yeah, so I mean there's there's a lot of scammers out there because they they 
feed off of the the quick money vibe. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if you look into like any of my content that I put out, like I I I'm even though I have crazy results with my students, I never promote like a good rich quick type of thing. You know, like it's definitely possible. You can make a lot of money very quickly, but um, you know, there's just a lot of scams and there's a lot of a lot of fraudsters out there because yeah. it's so easy to get people into that. You know, yeah. because they want to make. They want to make money quick. Yeah, I think there is get rich quick, but I think the underlying tone is get rich quick and easy. Oh, no, no, no. Forex, I was uh, trading in general. It doesn't even matter if it's Forex, stocks, crypto, doesn't matter. Like, uh-huh. it's it's not easy, but it's simple. Okay. Very simple. Because, like, once you have your strategy and you know what you're looking for and, you know, like, you have some capital too, like, sky's the limit. You don't have to... Um, try to find some reinvent the wheel every day. Yeah. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to talk to anyone. You don't have to sell anything. Like, yeah. it's just you're looking for your strategy, your setup. Once you have your setup, you enter. You wait. You know, like you don't have to do anything once you enter. So like you just wait. You're getting paid to wait, and then yeah, you make your money. What are some of the biggest losses? Because we talk about the wins, we also got to include the losses. Probably about the same. I've had I've had a big like 30, 40k losing day too. Your money? Uh, uh yes, actually, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. How did you buy, How did you I was so hurt. I, I know the re, I think one of the biggest issues with this with the trading stuff is that people who shouldn't really be involved in it are involved in it. Hmm. So you did that and I'm sure you weren't happy about the $40,000 loss. No. But it wasn't like it's a scam. No, no, no. Like, people got to get that. At, they got to throw that out the window. Like, uh-huh. trading is not a scam. People are scams. Mm. You know, trading itself isn't a scam. You know, like, you could you could set up an account today. You don't need a mentor. You don't need a course. You don't need anybody to hold your hand. You don't need to recruit people. No, you don't have to recruit. Like, you could just set up your account and start trading if you know what you're looking for. Uh-huh. However, I do recommend finding a mentor, finding a course, like find someone that's in a position that has a life. Like people come to me and they buy from me because they want that overseas living. They go, they go to other people like, you know, other people in the industry, they, they have Lambos and Ferraris and all that stuff. They want want that. So it just kind of depends on the lifestyle you want. Mm, Find someone that has it. So that's how you funded that, that overseas living. Was the with trading. trading, yeah, yeah, that's how I that's how I started traveling. Twenty sixteen, man, that is so <laughs> dope. Because I want. Do you still have the course? Yeah, I, I don't promote it though. Um, I don't really sell it? it. I could send you one. I don't really sell it anymore. I sell um, I sell an algo right now that that passes prop challenges. So that's pretty uh-huh. much all I sell because I'm focused on cannabis so heavily. But you still have the course recorded. Maybe we can yeah, yeah, put I can it together you. and then uh, I can send it to you. Anybody who is interested in learning and getting that kind of digital nomad lifestyle yeah, definitely. going, that they can uh, they can definitely check that stuff out. Definitely, man. I think this is definitely was a great interview. Yeah, bro. I appreciate you coming on. We're gonna have all his links for everything right down below in the description. His social media, the uh, does the cannabis product or project have its own Instagram? Yep. Okay, so, so I'm gonna need to get that gentleman cannabis. Okay, I'm gonna need to get I'm gonna need to get that. And anything else that you want to plug? 
Uh, definitely grab an NFT. You know, we uh, we're we're releasing our our plant memberships in March, so you definitely want to be a part of that. Uh-huh. Um, the utility that we've we've built behind this project is absolutely insane. I didn't say a couple things that. Tell uh, us. Yeah, yeah. Before so we wrap up. Yeah, so when you purchase this NFT, uh-huh. um, you're gonna have physical harvest, right? So since we're growing the plant for you, like, and you get a, a plant every quarter, let's say you're going to get anywhere from 90 to 125 grams every harvest. Uh-huh. So what's cool about it is for every physical gram that you have on your, on our farm, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to airdrop you a digital gram to, okay. to like your NFT wallet. So what's, what is the digital gram? What does that do? So you're familiar with like cryptocurrencies. It's kind of like we're, we're, Oh, it's your own coin. Yeah. Our okay. own token. So we're going to airdrop you uh, what we're calling harvest tokens. Mm-hmm. So if you got 100 physical grams, you get 100 digital grams. Uh-huh. And then you have two options. You can sell those back to us. And since we're selling the cannabis on the back end, you can sell that, those grams back to us, get you know Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera. Or because we're making partnerships here in America, you can say, okay, I have 100 grams. This time I want 50 grams. And you can cash in those 50 grams and we'll have one of our partners send you the physical plant. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this is crazy. We're going to have, we might have to, when this, is this launched? Next month. Next month? Yeah. When it launches, we'll have to hop on like a Zoom call. Do them down. And uh, put together some kind of proposal that I can send out to people and some kind of promotional video that we can put out there for you as well. No, dude, that'd be dope. Yeah. Be so dope. we'll definitely have to do that, guys. All that stuff will be in the link down below. I'll link his Instagram. Anyway, what's the best way to contact you about getting in that, in the space and everything? Yeah, so you guys could find me on pretty much any social, Nemo Profits. Um, if you wanted to shoot me a message, I, I answer pretty much every DM. Um, and then it's gentlemanscannabis.com. Those are with, the best ways to contact With an E. Okay. Gentlemans with an E. You heard it from Nehemiah himself. Those are the best ways to contact him. Before we wrap up, guys, we just launched a Patreon. A lot of you guys have been asking how you guys can get more content. So what I just did is I took my ebook accelerator program, which teaches you how to write a book, an ebook or a physical book, how to launch it properly to make anywhere from $1,000 to $3,000 on the launch. I put that entire program on the Patreon. And the thing is, is it costs less than a McDonald's combo. I'm going to have that link right down below. So I have his stuff. I have my stuff down there. And then we're going to try to work something out for the day day trading course as well. So people can kind of get in on that. So the the actual ebook accelerator course, for those of you who want to start making money online, that will be in in the Patreon. It's $10. Think of all the things that you spent $10 on before in your life. A gas station trip costs me $15 nowadays if I want snacks. I'm going to show you exactly how to write an ebook, how to name it, and how to launch it to make anywhere from $1,000 to $3,000 on the launch. And I'll have uh, my editor pop up some proof of every time that I've done this in the space. I've been writing books for a very long time. All that stuff will be in the links down below. I really do appreciate you guys tuning in, and I'll see you on the next one. Peace.